Welcome to Stonebridge. Here are some announcements and things to know. During this time of virtual and social distanced worship, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. You can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com. Click on online giving. You can give through your bank's bill pay option or through the mail. If you'd like offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. Ash Wednesday will be celebrated this coming Wednesday. Tailored for all ages, launch into Lent by driving through Stonebridge's parking lot. At the drive-thru, you'll learn about Ash Wednesday and Lent, share prayer requests, drop off diapers for James Storehouse, and receive the imposition of ashes. There are two times to choose from, 12 to 1 p.m. or 5 to 6 p.m. To learn more about James Storehouse and additional donation items needed, visit jamesstorehouse.org. Our next outdoor worship service will take place on Sunday, February 21st at 10.30 a.m. Newly added is children's and youth programming, also meeting outdoors. Registration for the whole family is required. Stonebridge is currently recruiting and training new volunteers to help record worship music for weekly podcasts and online services. Audio video experience preferred, but not necessary. If you're interested, contact Lee Krabby at lee at stonebridgecme.com. For those events that require registration or for any details you might have missed, please check your newsletter or visit our website. And lastly, we would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to worship. Hello, and welcome to online worship at Stonebridge Community Church. We are continuing our sermon series entitled Divine Appointments, where we are looking at the way Jesus interacts with different people in the Gospel of John so we can understand and anticipate how Jesus interacts with us. And this week, I'm excited because we get to hear from the Reverend Courtney Ellis. Pastor Courtney is a friend and colleague of mine. She is an associate pastor at Presbyterian Church of the Master in Mission Viejo, and she's a gifted preacher. And she'll be focusing on John the Baptist and how in the Gospel of John, John the Baptist interacts with Jesus. So I pray that you are blessed by this service. I pray that Courtney's words encourage you to be a witness to Jesus. And I pray that we are able to worship God together. Our scripture passage this week comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Hear the word of God. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Good morning, Stonebridge Community Church. I'm Pastor Courtney Ellis, and it is so good to be with you today. Thank you for the opportunity to come and bring God's word this morning. One of my favorite essays I've ever read, and it's available free online if you want to go read it for yourself, is Annie Dillard's essay, Total Eclipse. She wrote it in 1982 about 
the journey she took with her husband, Gary, to view this eclipse on a hillside outside of Yakima, Washington. And it is one of the most powerful, moving pieces of writing I have ever encountered. And I want to share just a snippet of it with you this morning. She writes, From all the hills came screams. A piece of sky beside the crescent sun was detaching. It was a loosened circle of evening sky suddenly lighted from the back. It was an abrupt black body out of nowhere. It was a flat disk. It was almost over the sun. That is when there were screams. At once, this disk of sky slid over the sun like a lid. The sky snapped over the sun like a lens cover. The hatch in the brain slammed. Abruptly, it was dark night. On the land and in the sky, in the night sky was a tiny ring of light. The hole where the sun belongs is very small. A thin ring of light marked its place. There was no sound. The eyes dried, the arteries drained, the lungs hushed. There was no world. We had, it seems, loved the planet and loved our lives, but could no longer remember the way of them. We got the light wrong. In the sky was something that should not be there. In the black sky was a ring of light. It was a thin ring, an old, thin, silver wedding band, an old, worn ring. It was an old wedding band in the sky or a morsel of bone. There were stars. It was all over. Dillard writes that she and her husband, Gary, stood there on the hillside and could not integrate what they had seen. It was so powerful. It was so unexpected. It was like nothing they had ever encountered before. And then she writes something interesting. She writes that they were up on the hills to view the eclipse, but she could see below them this line of traffic on its way in to Yakima, on its way into work. It was around eight o'clock in the morning. And Dillard writes, the highway ran between hills. The people could not have seen any of the eclipsed sun at all. Yakima will have another total eclipse in 2086. Perhaps in 2086, businesses will give their employees an hour off. What miracles have you witnessed? What phenomena have you seen? Back in 2017, a group of college students at our church took a drive up to Oregon to view the total eclipse, and I was a little jealous I wasn't able to go with them. They didn't invite me. <laughs> I'm not in college anymore, but I had responsibilities here at our church and with my family. My husband and I couldn't pick up and go, but these college students, they came back changed. They had seen something incredibly powerful and moving, and they weren't the same anymore. What have you witnessed? What miracles have you seen? In today's gospel reading, we encounter John the Baptist. As I was preparing this sermon, your pastor, John, told me that in John's gospel, John is less John the Baptist and more John the witness. 
And I've been thinking about that through these days. And as I've begun my study of this text and the gospel of John to prepare to preach to you today, I've realized how right he was. Turn after turn, we encounter John as a witness, as a witness to the person and work and life and ministry of Jesus. From these very first few verses in the gospel of John, that John came as a witness. This was his purpose. This was his goal. This was why he showed up on the scene to witness to Jesus. Does your life witness to Jesus? Annie Dillard writes that she had never really considered that the moon has no light of its own. I had never really considered that the moon has no light of its own, but of course it doesn't. It's a big round rock in the sky. Any light we see when there's a full moon and it's shining so brightly, when it's a crescent moon and we can just barely see it through the clouds, any light comes from the sun. The moon is a witness. It is a reflection of the strong and powerful light of the sun. This is how John works. John points to Jesus. John points to Jesus. In John chapter 3, we meet John the Baptist. He's doing what he does. He's baptizing and people come and ask him about what he's doing and they say, you know, there's this guy Jesus. He's also doing baptisms and John responds, he must become greater. He must become greater. I must become less. We must become less. And that can get twisted sometimes. That can get twisted so that we think what what Jesus means and what John means is we should become nothing. We should be doormats for Jesus. We should have a martyr complex, but that is not what John is talking about at all. He is talking about serving as a witness, using his unique gifts, the person that he is. John is unique. John is out in the wilderness. He's a wild-eyed man. He is wearing clothing made of camel's hair, which was not the fashion of the day. He's eating locusts and wild honey. People are paying attention to him because he is so odd, but he's using that attention, not for himself, but to point, but to point in the same way you and I, our unique giftings and callings, our strengths, what we do, all we have can point to Jesus in the unique way that only we can. We can point to Jesus. There's a beautiful piece of medieval art called the Eisenheim Altarpiece. And the Eisenheim Altarpiece was painted during the plagues, the medieval plagues in the 1500s. And in this piece of art, Jesus is depicted with plague sores all over his body. He's on the cross, but he is very ill. It's a way the artist depicted him as literally, literally bearing our sins and carrying our diseases. Jesus, son of God, fully divine, but one of the people. Mary is on one side of Jesus weeping, weeping as she witnesses him being crucified. And on the other side is John. On the other side is John, and this is artistic license because John, of course, was not present at Jesus' crucifixion. John died a martyr's death when Herod put him to death, had him beheaded as part of a party game. Such a 
horrific example of the random chaos of evil. But the artist depicts John standing next to the cross of Jesus. And John is holding a book in one hand, presumably the scriptures in one hand, and with the other hand, he is pointing and his finger is extra long. It is not anatomically correct. His finger is extra long. And when you look at this beautiful piece of medieval art, the first thing your eye falls on is John and this point. And of course, when someone points, we don't linger long on the finger that is pointing. We look to what they are pointing at. It's a flashing sign. It's a blinking arrow. And John, of course, John is pointing to Christ crucified. John uses his life to point to Jesus. How is your life witnessing to the truth of Jesus Christ, the one who came to make all things new, to conquer the power of sin and death, to give us the strength and courage and gladness and singleness of heart, to love our God, with all our heart and soul and mind and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. Yes, even now, even this year, with all of the division and strife and pain, to love God and love our neighbors. How is your life pointing to Jesus? My husband, Daryl, and I know a couple who have a minivan that they keep in their garage and they keep the keys in the minivan at all times and they tell people this is God's minivan. This is God's minivan. If you need it, if you need to borrow it, if you need to use it, it is yours. And they point to Jesus. We have a friend in Chicago who got a call just a few days before Christmas that there was a nine-year-old boy who had just been put into the foster care system because his older sister had been shot to death. And they took in this boy, and a few days after they had taken him into their house, he had a birthday, and they set out a birthday cake and birthday presents, and they sang to him, and he said, I have never had a birthday party before. And a birthday party does not undo nine years of poverty and hardship and the death of his sister. But it was a point. A birthday party can point to Jesus. A piece of cake can point to Jesus. How does your life point to Jesus? Mowing the lawn of a difficult neighbor, point. Donating to the food bank, point. Asking for help when we need it, admitting we don't have it all together and we need help. Point, point, point. How does your life witness to Jesus? Author and theologian Alicia Akins is a single woman in her late 30s, and a couple of years ago she wrote the Single Ladies Catechism, a question and answer theological treatise on finding God and connecting with God in singleness. And she writes that there is such power in understanding that God witnesses our lives. That not only are we called to witness to God, but God is present to us and with us every moment of our lives. Alicia writes, God stoops down, 
gathers us under the, the corner of his garment, draws us near and whispers tenderly, I do, my beloved, I do. I am El Roy, the God who sees. My eyes are open day and night toward you for I have set my name on you. She quotes from the Hebrew, from the Old Testament, where Hagar, Hagar, who is mistreated by Abraham and Sarah, runs into the desert alone into the wilderness where she is sure she will die. And God speaks to her there. God witnesses her suffering and witnesses her pain. And God meets her in the desert and speaks to her. And Hagar is the first person in scripture in the book of Genesis chapter 16 to give God a name. She calls God El Roy, the God who sees, the God who has seen me. John's life witnesses to Jesus, to his person, to his work, to his love, to his death. But God also witnesses our lives. And in a year of pandemic isolation, for many of us far from friends and family, for many of us spending many long, lonely hours alone in our homes with only our own voices for company. I don't know about your congregation, but we have had many new widows and widowers this year who say this would be hard enough in a normal year, but in a pandemic year, I feel so alone. This God from the book of Genesis, from the book of John, witnesses your life. John points to Jesus and Jesus always has his eyes on us. El Roy, the God who sees. Friends, let us take heart, let us take courage, let us examine our lives and see where they are pointing. It is so easy to point at ourselves in an age of social media and growing selfishness to point at ourselves. It is easy to point at our bank accounts. It is easy to point at worry all day, every day. It's easy to point at a nice car or a relationship. But God calls each person who walks with the Lord to point to Jesus, the God of all hope, the God of all peace, the God of all comfort. The world is so hungry for the truth that they are not forgotten that they are seen, that God so loved the world, that God sent this same Jesus. Where is your life pointing? And do you feel the grace of the eyes of the Lord on you? The same friend who took in the young foster boy in Chicago spoke with my husband and I about his practice of journaling prayer, listening prayer. He'll read scripture and he'll journal and he'll listen. He'll listen to the Lord. And he said, the first thing, the first thing that surprised me was that so often I was expecting God to say, why didn't you? And you should have and try harder. But God often came to me first saying, I love you. I see you. I know that you're tired. Let's go together. There is not a moment in your life that is unwitnessed. There is not a moment in your life that is unwitnessed. 
And this is what gives us the love and the courage and the grace to point. Because this is where our hope lies. The moon has no light of its own. It is all from the sun. Alleluia. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, this has been a difficult year. I don't know the ins and outs of where this dear congregation is today, but you do. And so I pray for any who feel like the arrow of their life is spinning like a broken compass, that you would draw them to yourself, that their lives would point to you. Lord, I pray for any this morning who are feeling lonely and unseen, who are feeling lost and adrift, who have lost a loved one or a job or have just hit their pandemic wall this month. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them with the truth of scripture that you are El Roy, the God who sees, that you saw John, that you see us. Make our lives, our churches, witnesses to the truth of your resurrection, that you have died and you have risen and you are coming again. Alleluia. Amen. There's no space that his love can reach. There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. Take me in with your arms spread wide. Take me in like an orphan child. Never Resurrection song 
some 